are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Ready? Go, go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. <laughs> You're listening to Right On Radio. You, you are here for a reason. That's right. You are here for a reason. Welcome back, everybody, to Right On Radio. I hope you missed us. We were gone for a week. Well, mind you, Christy had supplied a video. I hope you watched it with her school board interview and we did an extra new goggles on Thursday because I do not want to leave you guys without some content. It's uh, really a pleasure to serve you and to do this. And today we're going to be talking about something uh, that's going to affect everybody uh, in this. And I've got some great guests lined up here to discuss this. Uh, We're going to be talking about the kids, folks. Uh, We're going to talk about the kids, but we're going to, we're going to focus on one particular case. However, uh, it is really in the grand scheme of this of why you need to get involved and you're going to want to hang on to the very end. But before I bring them on, I just have a couple really uh, important announcements to make for you. So the first one is uh, we have every Saturday night, our Singapore prayer celebration, as you know, and uh, we're really excited that uh, we have a couple new people who have stepped up into leadership there. So I hope you help welcome uh, Laura and Katie. Uh, as part of the leadership with uh, with Angelina and Beulah in this. But what's really exciting about that is, uh, you know, the, originally the plan was they were going to kind of alternate on the Saturday nights taking leadership, and it's a good way to disciple, but you know what? They're ready, and so what we're going to do instead is go to two prayer nights each week. So we're still going to have the Saturday night at 8 p.m., but I know a lot of you can't make it on Saturday night. So we're also going to be adding, as of next week, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have another Singapore prayer celebration. So it is twice a week. Why? Because prayer is our weapons of mass destruction. And what are we destructing? The beast system, folks. We're stopping them in every term. You want to see how power works? Come and see. You want to see what's next going to happen next in the world? Come to our prayer celebration, I'm telling you, because the prayers are coming true. It's so powerful. Come and experience it for yourself. Uh, One other thing I need to uh, announce before we get into it, and this is an important one as well. If some of you have signed up for My Liberty Stand recently, uh, we have just done a technology change, so you might have fallen through the cracks. So I just want to inform you, uh, and by the way, one of the ways you can fight the cabal is just to switch away from them. It doesn't cost you any more money or anything like that. So my Liberty Stand is now, and you got to write this down, the link will be in the description, switchaway.com slash ROR. You have to put in the slash ROR or click the link from the description, but my Liberty Stand is now switchaway.com slash ROR and one of your fellow right on radio listeners is going to contact you and you already have some stuff in common. It's going to be a lot of fun. So without further ado, and before I bring on my guests, I'm going to play a very quick video, which is a promo for another station. I can't believe I'm doing this. Christy, how do you have this power 
to convince me to do these things. I have no idea, but I trust her. So let's watch it together. time and it's time for truth and the victims need to be able to speak out and be heard and believed and these issues are mostly dealing with children this is sra i'm a satanic ritual abuse survivor the christian church says all the time that they fight an enemy but i don't think they're aware of how organized and strategic the enemy that they're fighting is. That there is a intentional plan to break their children. An entire war for their offspring. This is a spiritual war for our children. Uh, they are taking, abducting our children, selling our children, murdering and sacrificing our children. Through the centuries, we know child sacrifice persisted for long periods of time in different cultures. So why are we naive enough to think that it's not persisting and continuing today? They're sacrificing children, Planned Parenthood, right? And then they're taking the body parts out and reselling them. Planned Parenthood is accused of some disturbing crimes today. That's going on overtly now. Back in the day, they were literally passing through the hands of Moloch. This is a spiritual battle. This is not new. What is child trafficking? Child trafficking is when you kidnap a child for profit. Uh, recommendations on my list abolish the federal and state financial incentives that have turned child protective services into a business that separates families from money. I will step out. Get out of the car. We have had um, several clients come that were trafficked and transported through child protective services and foster care systems people that speak out like i do these people are pedophiles and involved in the deep pedophile networks uh some of which i've gotten very close to are all facing retaliation i don't think that isaac walked up on that bridge and jumped Uh, Isaac Cassie ought to be Mexico. This will likely be my last broadcast. Well, and I see why you wanted to play that, Christy. Yeah, and then Stu Peters is coming out with a good documentary. And of course, there was a couple familiar faces in that video. Well, yeah, because I'm on with you. I want to tell the story of really what happened with that video. It came out July the 5th. Okay. Um, it had been probably back in June, maybe June. Um, I had heard um, one of Megan's videos. I'd been in contact with Penny LA Shepherd to really find out what was going on with Megan's story. Because as with a lot of people, I was very skeptical, you know, has she done these things? Um, and I really didn't know because I too was weaponized and threatened with CPS when I was going through a divorce. Um, my results ended up quite differently than most. Um, I rushed to the Las Vegas police department. Um, I happened to get one of the best, best investigators 
ever on a case. And um, he could easily see through that I was not what I was being made out to be. I was being made out to be a drug dealer, um, that I was, you know, possibly moved to Las Vegas to become a stripper when the actuality is I was moving for technology and Tony Shea and many others. And it was much cheaper flights to um, California where I was having to go for meetings all the time. So, you know, little things like that are twisted and turned and really make a mother or sometimes even a father into a bad person just because someone can call and anonymously say something about you. For instance, I'm going to tell you how what I have learned, Jeff, in the past few weeks of just helping Megan. Um, and we're going to bring Megan on in just a minute. But with her story, I literally couldn't, almost couldn't believe it. And the Lord said to me, you're going to help her find an attorney. And I was like, oh God, I have no idea. Like any attorneys, family law attorneys in Florida. And she really needs a family law attorney in Florida. So I thought he was wanting me to go to online to do a search. So I went online to do a search. You know, I even um, called Penny. That was one of my first calls and says, does she even still need an attorney? Like, hasn't she found an attorney by now? I'm literally trying to get out of this, Jeff. I was literally trying to get out of this message that I'd received. And I had no idea how I was going to find an attorney. I searched. I couldn't really find anybody that really, I actually would email. I ended up emailing about 20 attorneys and they said, and I said, you know, I have a high profile case. I didn't say who it is. Will you please contact me back if you're interested? Crickets, nothing. And I tell them it's a high profile case. I don't even know at this point whose high profile case it was. Those attorneys that I contacted never call me back. So on July the 4th, I get a call. Well, first of all, back in June, I was connected with Ohio Brett um, through Sheila Holm. And Sheila Holm is a great author. She has written a lot of truth. She's written, I think, about 15 books at this point. Um, her books are very eye-opening. Um, I use them as a resource to look up things, um, you know, and, and the Lord has just shown her a lot of history, a lot of our history through her books. So she says, I'm going to connect you with Ohio Bread. I don't even know who Ohio Bread is at this point, you know, at the, back in maybe June, May or June. And, um, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, like send Ohio Bread down, whatever. So when he comes, we end up having about a six or eight hour meeting. Um, didn't really know exactly what, you know, our meeting was really, you know, what was going to come to fruition of that meeting. We just knew we had a lot of synergy and a lot of things. But Brett calls me on July, probably like around July the 1st or 2nd, says, hey, what's going on in Miami for Independence Day? And I said, well, I'm just hanging out by my pool. You know, come on down if you want. You know, I didn't know if he was taking a break. Um, and I'd heard about his um, beautiful girlfriend, Hollis, who he had reconnected with, um, who is a longtime college student or in college they had, they had connected. So Hollis and I immediately hit it off. Well, Hollis is a family law attorney, Jeff. And when I ask Hollis, as I do with everyone that I meet, hey, what's your purpose? She says to rework the CPS system. And I was like, <laughs> I literally had cold chills. Like on my balcony, I'm sitting there. I'm like, really? Really? You really want to work CPS system? Because I've got a case for you if you really want to work. And I thought Hollis at this point would absolutely run. <laughs> I, I was thinking like 
Hollis is going to be gone in two minutes and I'm never going to see her again. <laughs> but instead, we had a really long conversation. I asked her, you know, if she would be willing to meet with Megan, at least hear her story, told her at this point, I don't even know exactly what the allegations are against her, if they're real or what. But that is how Megan Walsh is now connected with Hollis, all because the Lord really pieces us all together in multiple different ways, using multiple people. And here we are today. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to bring Megan on now. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of a, a dive into her story. Uh, and just I want to do this interview as an overview uh, for everyone. And uh, we do have Hollis, the lawyer here as well, who's going to get into some of the most current allegations. And we're going to address them as well. But I think it's important to have some of the backstory uh, with this. So without further ado, uh, please... Welcome, Megan Walsh, to Right On Radio. Thank you for being here, Megan. Thank you, Jeff and Christy, for having me. God bless. Well, this is an important case, and you know, as you know, my conversations with Christy, because of the profile nature of it, and we're not going to focus on, um, you know, necessarily all the uh, you know different players in this uh, as a focus of this particular interview. Perhaps you'll come back. Uh, and we can go deeper into that. But I think it's important that the people understand your story and how you got to this point. And, uh, and there's some questions out there. There's no doubt, Megan. So I'm going to ask you maybe some uncomfortable questions a little bit. And anything that's super private, I promise not to pry any further uh, with that. But uh, I do appreciate it. So, Megan, why don't we just start off? Uh, well, listen, we'll just say who, who your dad is, and that's uh, John Walsh, America's Most Wanted. Um, so you grew up in that household, and I guess just tell me what it was like as a kid. Uh, obviously, we started off with a kind of an SRA video, so I don't want that to mislead people or lead people into something that uh, may or may not be true. But what was, what was for instance, what were your parents doing for a living, living before America's Most Wanted? Uh, yeah, thank you, Jeff. Uh, my parents actually lived in South Florida in Hollywood, Florida, where most people know of my brother's case. It was Adam Walsh, the little boy with the baseball bat that was kidnapped uh, from the Sears department store from the Hollywood Mall down there in 1981. Um, and more importantly, I'm the sister of Adam Walsh, so um, then the daughter of John. So I do want to honor that. Um, his his situation and story changed so many um, people and, and so many things that were for the good. But um, unfortunately, we're asking questions based on my upbringing and, uh, you know, the way that things have transpired over my life um, and then resulting in my children being taken when we're just asking questions. Um, so growing up with my parents, I think there's a big theme. I, I say this every time because I think it's very important. There's a huge theme that we're dealing with now, um, which is narrative versus truth. And uh, a lot of people realizing that, especially with our celebrities and things that there is, you know, possibly a public persona versus a private life and behind closed doors. And, um, you know, I honor my parents. I love my parents very much. This is heartbreaking. Um, I wish they would just come clean and do what is right. And that's what we pray for every day. So I do want to start with that um, first and foremost. <clears throat> 
but growing up with my parents, um, you know, was, was very difficult. It had great times and people saw the events and the vacations and things, but they didn't necessarily see behind closed doors, like I said, and, and the ins and outs of daily life with my, my parents. Um, you know, that was a big thing that I'd started asking and looking into my brother's case, um, and, you know, new different things again, growing up and having to deal with my father's mistresses calling or, you know, my father being on the cover of the globe or going to a rehab or, um, my mother chasing me through the house and tackling me down the stairs or growing up in my closet because I was afraid, um, you know, very much solitary confinement and things like that. Always my fault. Um, but they were my best friends. Right. So it was this odd dichotomy growing up. I don't think people realize that I did grow up with bodyguards and aliases and telling people <laughs> that I lived places that I didn't, you know. What were your parents doing? Because obviously after the death of Adam, uh, that launched the career of America's Most Wanted and you know, became very famous. But what was it like before the fame? Where were there hints of any kind of weird activity in the house or anything like that? Yeah, there was. And I think it's been 40 years and people are given through mainstream media a narrative. And there was this beautiful boy with a baseball bat and these parents that were grieving and weren't going to allow it to be in vain. And that really took the country's heart. You know, it took the nation's heart and they don't really look into why, you know, what were these people beforehand? Why was this boy, you know, taken? How? Things like that, which, you know, if people do look back 40 years, their minds would be blown on the police work here, um, the case itself. So for me to find, you know, depositions of my mother's, you know, significantly younger live-in lover at the time who said that, you know, everyone knew that Adam would say, I have two daddies one that goes to work and one that stays home. Um, he did all the domestic stuff for my home or for my parents and for Adam at home. Uh, my father was known for uh, both of my parents were known for being addicted to cocaine and other drugs, um, as well as being very promiscuous and, and, uh, and as well as who my dad was affiliated with at the time through the diplomat hotel um, in South Florida. And it's all very concerning oh. and, ironic that you know my children would be taken through cps when sadly what we found is that you know adam should have really they should have been looking into that situation i guess is the way to say it so i guess well uh, i'll make a comment and this is not an ex an accusation of any kind but if you've been following this show in particular we've learned a lot about the occult practices and things like that so just a question comes up in my mind and it's just a question but, uh, you know, when you see the death of a boy, a suspicious death, and then the rise of a star instantly, man, that, that almost sounds like sacrificial ritual type of thing. Uh, again, I don't know, uh, but that, that, that certainly would be a question in my mind. And that's, you know, uh, and you're not far from the first Jeff. So there, you know, I, I always say I wasn't there. Um, but we all do know that he was found, you know, allegedly decapitated in the town that my parents actually ended up moving to after that. And I grew up in. So they moved that's to that town after that. Yeah. Interesting. 
So the head of what was found in Indian River County. So I'll just say that. So Megan, then you know, growing up in this, and then obviously going through the fame, and you know, there's excess, as you've pointed out. Um, but then you know, you become an adult, and um, you have four kids. The kids have all been taken away from you. So there's some obvious questions. Uh, where are the fathers and stuff like that? So. Can you just start to tell me one by one about your kids and tell me the amount of personal information that you're comfortable with, mm -hmm. uh, with giving out? Absolutely, Jeff. And, and thank you for bringing that up. I know that's on a lot of people's minds. And again, I'm here for transparency, but I do also have to keep my children safe and, you know, also keep my grace. Um, but yes, I mean, I was brought up in Hollywood and media and all of that. And at that time, it was very much this feminist push and, you know, new age and all of these different things were coming about. I've been a religious scholar with double minors in university and, and studied uh, for over 20 years. I lived in India for several years out of that while I was doing my fashion line and, and music. So I was, I've worked my entire life. Um, and, you know, I did have relationships at that point. I was living in India. I was traveling the world. I was going back and forth to New York and different places here for, you know, fashion and for my career. Um, and at that point for me, and I now know looking back that especially, you know, witnessing my parents' marriage, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't interested in getting married. I did want to have a career. I wanted to have children, but I didn't want to get married. And, and I always left that open if I met someone, but I had significant relationships and my children, uh, all four of them were very intentional. Um, and they were from significant relationships that I had for several years. I was also celibate after each child that I had by choice. Um, so for me, you know, and this is about my children and respecting my children and having grace about this. And in today's society, especially when you grow up with what I did, I mean, my parents' friends have third, fourth, fifth marriages, kids all over the world, you know, some they don't even know about. It was normalized um, for you. Really. It, it was very, it was normalized. And so also what, so at what age, because I think that's important, and particularly in a woman's life, um, went because, you know, there's a body clock that's happening. Yeah. yeah. And, and so was, was that a factor I... in, in having your first child? Because you said your children yes. were planned. To tell me about that. Yes, that was part of my plan. I was going to, I went to India. I set up uh, distribution production on my own as a 28 year old woman. Um, I had created my clothing line and had launched it in New York Fashion Week and, and done all, I was sponsored. It was time to collect revenue and to have a child. Um, I came back from India and I wanted, I'd always said by 30, I wanted to have a child and, and start my family. I wasn't 16 or have any of these children, you know, when I'm 12. I was 30 years old um, <clears throat> and I had actually asked my daughter's uh, biological father had, who had been married for 12 years and had two daughters of his own and he had recently gotten divorced. Uh, his wife, his ex-wife at the time was taking money to be a surrogate for other people. So I asked, you know, would you be interested in helping me have a child? And, you know, of course you could get to know them when they get older and things, but you know, this is my career and this is my plan. Would you be you know, open to helping me do this. And, and I honored him <clears throat> for nine years. You know, my daughter's now nine 
and his family know, you know, has known they emailed his mother emailed me right after I got pregnant and moved out, things like that. So they have definitely been well aware of Ava. So He's the, the, the first one Ava. was more like a contract. Am I hearing that yeah. correctly? Yeah, it was a verbal agreement. I had known his family my whole life, not necessarily him. He was like the older brother of my best friend growing up that all the girls had crushes on when you're young. And uh, he agreed to do it. And we didn't see him for nine years in the same town. And and my daughter knows of him. She knows she has biological sisters. And, uh, you know, especially with everything that was going on with my family and is going on with my family, all he had to do was call me after nine years. He could have called and said, look, I think about Ava every day. I know we had an agreement, but is there any way I can get involved and know my child? And, of course, I would be open to a healthy you know, way to integrate him into her life. Um, and, and so it's very disappointing for him to come forward, start all of this because my parents went to him and make all of these accusations that are he, how would he even have any idea of these if he's never seen, he doesn't know the relationship with my parents and I, after 10 years, he doesn't know our daily life anything like that. So it's, it's very scary and that, very that's an assumption that your parents went to him. That's oh, they definitely did. They went behind my back. They had started this entire thing. Um, I started speaking up about the abuse that I was, you know, experiencing from them. I started asking questions about my brother's case, and I started asking questions about the National Center for Missing Exploited Children because people were asking me. And, uh, you know, I was a 30-something-year-old woman. I'm not a 12-year-old again. And if this, if there was nothing to hide or if there were answers and things, then why wouldn't we just have a conversation? Why would you start saying I'm crazy and, you know, do these things filming me um, and all of that, like happened on Thanksgiving uh, two years ago. I went to Thanksgiving with my parents after, our, you know, stuff had started getting weird. I had a therapist at the time. I've seen th my parents have shot me to therapists since I was eight years old trying to get a diagnosis on me. And um, <clears throat> I, so I've been in therapy. It's been my career. I've even made it my career to specialize in childhood trauma, SRA, and things of that nature, um, and, and healing, obviously, from that. Uh, and so, you know, this, she, I went there, excuse me, on Thanksgiving with my children. <clears throat> they started this dialogue. I said, you guys are framing me. What is going on here? I do not consent. They kept framing me in front of my children. They started telling me that I could leave with my sons if I left my daughter there holding her hostage in the house. Um, I was terrified. I was, it, it's very, very traumatic. The only reason why I can speak on it now is because of time, you know, and, and the Lord. Um, but you know, we were there and I'm trying to get the, my daughter out. Uh, they're filming it. I go to take the phone out of my mom's hand because I was in panic. I'm thinking of my children first and I grabbed you the phone. You were being set up. I was being set up. Yes. And I saw things happening before and they were asking for social security numbers on my children. They were, had a new, um, financial advisor that I had actually been called about my one of her other victims and and that's a whole other story um but yes i was seeing things and you know my discernment is very very good and i alarms were going off so i went no i went there i took the phone out of her hand when this was going on and she proceeded to grab me by all of my hair which was down you know to, to the my lower back at the time grabbed all of my hair 
yanked me backwards with my baby in my arms in front of my children. Um, I'm actually healing basal cell cancer. Um, it's non-melanoma cancer with natural Rick Simpson oil, which has been studied and used in the treatment of specifically basal cell carcinoma. It is founded. Um, and I've actually rebuilt my nose over the past year. So it's been incredible. Um, and she, she scratched my face, bloodied my nose and continued, proceeded to bite me on my arm, which I had actually seen her about two or three times over the, the prior year, um, show her teeth and, uh, snarl at me like a dog. Um, so it was very concerning. <laughs> Megan, I, I really appreciate your candor here and, uh, and you know, this is what you're just alluding to is going to feed into uh, where we're at today, because that's more recently. But I I just really want to continue to kind of let people understand your story. And you mentioned the Lord now, so I assume you're a person of faith now. And uh, But it's important for the audience to remember the type of environment she grew up in. You know, her, her mom's got boys there. Her dad's got uh, mistresses. Like, this is the Hollywood lifestyle that, that was very much normalized. And, and it's a, it's important for you guys to understand that as the audience of, you know, how it is being raised in this type of environment and what, and when you make decisions, even as an adult, before you come to Christ or even find any type of faith or uh, until your moral structures, your values are reorganized inside of you, like these things are just made normal. Uh, it, you know, it's very normal. Uh, you know, someone who's a, a battered wife goes out and finds another husband that'll beat her because it's normalized. And, you know, I'm not making, uh, this is just repeating patterns. So, so you've got your, your first child. Can I interject one thing that maybe that's also really important here is that Adam um, actually came forth and said that he had two dads, not one dad, but two dads. Okay. So he even grew up with, a possible situation of, you know, what was really going on in the bed of the household that Adam was seeing. I think it's Look, very important. It's, and that's just not normal folks. No, uh, like it, it, it's not normal, but, but it is normal in, uh, in, you know, in Hollywood world or Holly weird. Well, uh, and, so, and, so and Megan, I, now tell me about the, the, the cause I want to, I want to name your children. I want to talk about where your children are. And then I, we're going to focus on your youngest, of course. Uh, Esther, because this that video just broke my heart. But so now tell me about how your next because I people need to know this if they're going to support you, they need to know what your story is. And you know, that you're not just some kind of bar floozy uh, that went around. And you know, it, I, honestly, because people will yeah. think that unless unless we get the story out. So tell me, tell me about the next child. Uh, so Arlo is my five-year-old, and that's when I was in fashion and music uh, here in America. Um, I, again, had a, a fashion line, Blank Silk, by Megan Walsh. Um, and then I went on to write and produce uh, my first EP um, through the music industry. And uh, through that, I was out at LA Fashion Week uh, headlining. I was asked to headline um, at the Tagline Center there. And uh, it was the first time that I performed my uh, first single and showed my couture runway line at the same time. So that was wow. a, a big deal. And sure uh, 
Yeah, it was. And but also there was like 50 Cent and William Morris Endeavor, uh, my family's agency um, and things like that. So, you know, there were definitely people there to scout and to, you know, this is how the industry works. You know, they would bring me in every couple of years to William Morris Endeavor, see where I was at, see what my intellectual property was, you know, all of this. Another reason why I can be so calm is this is the third time, not to this extent, but this is the third time that they have done something like this. It seems to be when I get to an independent place, when I can be on my own, when I don't need them, you know, and I, I'm trying to create healthy boundaries and things of this nature, these things kind of like a Hegelian dialect seem to occur and it's problem, reaction, solution, you know, um, so it is, it truly is. And, um, you know, this would be like a humiliation ritual or something like that in context and theory. So, um, but that's for a different show. And, you know, people don't realize that this is what is normalized and almost celebrated subconsciously in, in these arenas. So Arlo, I was at LA fashion week. Um, I was approached by a artist developer out of Chicago, which is definitely how they're selling women through the industry and selling people. I don't think people realize that. Um, and so I was taken to Chicago where I did music videos. I did um, a song for my album and things uh, for William Morris and Deborah. And I was introduced to the best friend of Kanye West. He was was brought in. Uh, I was asked if I would do a single or be interested in doing a single with him. And from there, the kind of grooming, love bombing, all of that started. Uh, we were together for about three years. Um, and that's a whole other, you know, again, broadcast yeah. on the industry and that whole group, even in themselves. Um, but I started seeing things and I started, you know, I'm in the car being picked up from the studio, you know, going to the studio and there's something clanking in the side of the car. And I look down and it's a Freemason ring and they're going, oh, you must know about that because you're your dad. And I'm going, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Like, can we go to the studio um, and things like that? So I ended up uh, with uh, Warren Trotter is his name. And we had a beautiful son. I thought we were getting married. I had boxes packed to move to Chicago. I was very much in love. Um, and we did have a beautiful son, Arlo, um, from that. And uh, after, you know, when I got pregnant, he, we came, we were both faced with a crossroads, if you will. And I chose to leave the industry, leave fashion, leave music to become a mother and to start training in integrative health and, and trauma healing and things like that to really help people and to create a normal, simple, stable lifestyle for my children. And he went the other way. He got deeper in the industry and, you know, had to do certain things and got rewards for that and, and does to this day and, and doesn't know his son. So um, this is a really important point here because when you found that ring this seems like a real pivotal moment where you had your so-called awakening uh to some extent and you so you at that point said okay hold on this isn't right i'm gonna reject this if i'm if i'm saying anything wrong correct me but i want to make sure that the record is straight so that it's at this point you've got your second child now and you're like okay hold on i don't want this i want to have kind of a, a normal relationship so that relationship went away but you have a beautiful son out of it you've got your first child now now bring me to the moment of your third child <laughs> 
So uh, years later, I had moved on and, you know, was healing my heart and I still wanted a family. I've always wanted, you know, many children, not many children, but I've wanted multiple children. Um, and I did go back to Christ and all of that. So, you know, that's very heavy on my heart. And uh, I had actually known a gentleman through my time in India, through the fashion um you know, scene and, and art scene and all of that. And uh, we actually had a friend, a mutual best friend. Uh, suddenly she was diagnosed with breast cancer in India and she passed away within the year. And so I wasn't there. I wasn't able to be. So we started, you know, we were in touch again and started talking more. And over the next year, we talked every day and, uh, and he eventually came to the U S and I was 37 years old, 36 years old. And, uh, you know, it was a beautiful relationship in the beginning and things like that, like we know. And before I had realized that subconsciously you go for, you know, what you didn't get from your father and all of that. So we know that now. Um, so I decided, I said to myself, you know, if I'm ever getting me, honestly, I said to myself, if I'm ever getting married, why don't I get married now? This is a great time. I would like to have another child and I'd like to do it the right way and have a wonderful you know, marriage and family and home life. That's all I've ever really wanted is the problem, I think. So, um, so I got married. I had a beautiful wedding. Um, I got pregnant immediately with our, our beautiful son, Jack. And uh, he had to go back to uh, India right after our wedding for some work where he found out that his mother had, uh, had, had like stage five cancer and she had to have, you know, surgery immediately. Um, we ended up losing her. He came back and was really not the same person at all. It was very bizarre. Um, he would stand in the kitchen and just stare into the microwave. I mean, we all grieved differently, but it started getting very alarming and he started getting up with my mother. My mother has been a theme throughout all of this in the background from my childhood to then going to the men that I was with. And, and there was also a very, there's always been a very weird, like underlying sexual tension. Like she, it's always been this jealousy or this competition, even with my father, right before all this happened, I said to both of them, I am not a mistress. I'm your daughter. Like you need dad, you need to stop messaging me on the side, sending me money, treating me like I'm a mistress and mom, you need to stop hating me and doing things like I'm sleeping with your husband. Like this is not okay. You know? So I ended up having Jack and, and when he came back, he started putting his hands on me. He started saying things along the lines of my parents and this crazy making, you know, if you will. And, um, and so I, I said, this is not going to work out. He went back to India and this was before I even had the baby and I have not seen him since. Um, it sounds like your parents got to him. Yes. My parents have gotten to everyone. My dad, when he asked my hand in marriage, took him around my his island for two hours talking about stuff and, and making arrangements or doing uh. whatever. I asked my dad for an annulment immediately. And he told me my cousin, he's a litigation attorney. He's in New York, you know, he'll take care of it. Kept asking my dad over like two years, Jeff, like, did we get this annulment? Like, can we get this divorce? Like whatever we're at at this point, I just want to be free. Like we need to move on. And uh, conveniently to this day, now with this case, he has pushed it off and has, you know, did not, complete the divorce or the annulment. Um, 
So I have beautiful Jack and he is now two. He's almost three years old and uh, he was taken at 18 months. So uh, that's, that's. Yeah. And we're going to get into how they're taken in a minute, but let's just, let's just finish up going through the four and then we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. the system uh, per Mm -hmm. se. And and we'll bring in Hollis as well. So uh, then we have a fourth child uh, Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, real recently, and you know, this is, well, I'll, we'll talk about the video in a second, but give me, give me the background on, uh, on baby Esther. Yeah. Um, so about eight weeks ago, I had a beautiful baby girl, um, at home. I've had my other babies besides my daughter. My first was in a hospital, but still all natural at home birth. It's what I promote. It's part of my work to support families and, and bringing us all together and, and restoring how things should be. Um, so I had a beautiful little girl at home, uh, about eight weeks ago. Uh, it was, you know, this past year, Jeff has been absolutely terror and terrorism every single day with, with CPS. And I mean, you guys all know, we already prefaced that. Um, so I, you know, I was pregnant. I actually had already been, I don't think people are aware uh, that haven't seen me before. Uh, another big thing prior to this happening was that I, I was already an advocate uh, speaking out against uh, the corruption going on within our CPS family court and even law enforcement. Um, so that already was a, a thing going on. So um, when Esther, right before Esther, before I got pregnant with Esther, I was in contact, obviously, with tons of different organizations and groups and advocates and everything. I had been speaking with one group that said that they were anti-trafficking, human trafficking, called Operation 1009. Um, a woman by the name of Lisa I had been speaking with. And she had brought up uh, the father, now Esther's father, um, several times as another kind of figure that was getting involved with their organization to fight trafficking. Um, and so, you know, we spoke for months and, you know, off and on. And finally, uh, this gentleman, Andre Van, came to uh, my town and we met to discuss, you know, my case. The, the organization, things like that. So he came in saying that, you know, I'm with this organization. Um, I was in the industry too. I have a past, you know, but that's behind me and me sitting here with all these allegations and my children taken, obviously I'm not going to start judging somebody, you know, we know the system um, and people had vouched for him and things like that. So I, I trusted him and I was in trauma, you know, everything. My home has been taken. They took my home, uh, you know, a week after or two weeks after they started this, um, pulling me over with unmarked police cars with my children, then taking my home. Then two weeks later, taking my children through DCF the next day, calling the animal control anonymously on us. Then right before my trial, having me falsely arrested, taking my phone, I had to sell my car to pay for the attorney. Um, all of that. So I was in trauma and, um, you know, my children are all I can think about, to be honest. So well, he came postpartum in, is a real thing, uh, you know, uh, well, well <laughs> it, it wasn't even postpartum. It was that my whole family has just done this to me and taken my children, which they know, you know, would, would touch my heart, would break me. It's to break me. It's like in the beginning. Well, well, that's what trauma. I mean, because the timing mm-hmm. of it. it mm-hmm. with, Mm-hmm. They, they wanted to time it with postpartum. 
Yes. Uh, yes that's my do. opinion. Just my opinion. Yes, it is. And that's what they're doing currently. You're absolutely right. And to have your child, especially when you are a good mother and you practice sacred birth and it's like probably your number one most important thing, it's going to wreck you. You know, it's going to wreck you. Um, so I did trust him. He said, we're going to get a house. We're going to get a car, you know, through the organization where, you know, this is not okay. I trusted him. He started, you know, with the relationship stuff and all of that, that, you know, we know happens. And, uh, and I, I trusted it. And um, I, we ended up intentionally, you know, he was saying, I want to, I'm looking for a serious relationship. I, you know, all the right stuff I admit. I admit it. Um, and in the middle of this, I was blessed with a beautiful little girl through all of this by God. And, uh, and, you know, he disappeared after that. I, you know, I guess a lot of stuff has transpired in his life since that, but I proceeded, um, to, you know, take care of myself, focus on my case with my children and, and give birth to a beautiful, healthy, baby girl um that yes was recently taken from me and uh you know it is ironic because she was taken megan she was taken uh she it was five days old she was born may 28th so this was the beginning of june i think it was the fourth or you know whatever that math sorry works out there's a lot of a lot of information in my mind um okay so we're gonna focus on that That was another thing is that he was sent in, he appears, I get pregnant, and then he's like taking pictures of the pregnancy test and sending it, like things turned really bizarre and creepy. And then the CPS started asking my, uh, my supervisors for visits if I was pregnant, like, is she pregnant? Is she pregnant? And I, Jeff, I was like, I barely even knew I was pregnant at that point. You know, it takes months to show like, how would they know that I was pregnant and then be asking about it? And, and then they got reports months before I had the baby from my father's attorney and my father, um, false reports again, which is a third degree felony to five years in prison. Let's remind everybody, um, that I was pregnant and I had had the baby. So they sent CPS into the neighborhood where I was staying. And like the Gestapo, they started going to every door, knocking on the neighbor's doors, asking if they had seen a pregnant woman or a woman that had had a baby recently. Um, that was all ignored. All of the false reports have been ignored. My children reporting physical abuse from my mother, the baby, my two-year-old. I'm changing my two-year-old, Jeff, at a visit. And all of a sudden, in front of the worker and everything, he says to me, Grandma hit me in the face and Grandpa told her to stop. And then my five-year-old said, yeah, she also kicked him in the neck and grandpa told her to stop. And I reported the abuse to them. I, from the beginning, I said, this is abuse. We have been going no contact with these people. It is not okay to put my children with these people. So how how did they get the three kids away from you? Uh, they, they did all these allegations with this father that had never seen us in 10 years and went along with this. Cause that's not abuse to his daughter and not creepy. And the then who had never met the child. Never, never. And now he has without her own mother there through a system. This is what he chose to put in her life. And this is what John Walsh is choosing to put in these children's lives and my children's lives. 
you know, what, how did see, how did these children even be put in the hands of CPS with the history that my family has? You know, I asked for everyone to have to have psychological evaluations that were taking care of my children. And I was laughed at and their attorney, Gregory Hyden came back saying, there's no trauma. There's no addiction. There's no reason for these two John Reve Walsh to have psychological evaluations. So it's, it's been, but the day that this happened, then they, they come to the door, they're banging on the door. I did not know what was going on. I've never personally dealt with DCF. And in my advocacy, you know, everyone says, do not open the door, do not let them in your home. So I said, you know, my children are here. I was cooking them breakfast. They were bathed and showered and had taken their vitamins, which is even on the reports. And uh, I said, you know what, they can knock on the door, I'll call them, they'll leave a card or something. There's no, I know that this isn't true. There's no real emergency here. So I'll call them once I get the kids to school. Well, they left finally, and, you know, they left after 10 minutes or something, and they call me. DCF calls me and says, you have a Zoom hearing, emergency Zoom hearing in 20 minutes. I'm sending you the link. I'm like, what, what is this? What is going on? There's no criminal, like we have a criminal justice system for a reason. Like I've never had any reports. I've never, I've been known in the community. If, if anyone had to say anything, it was that I had like my kids out too much during a pandemic or something, you know, like and, that's. And, maybe I, and I saw the video of these cops showing up. It, it just broke my heart, Megan. It really, really did. And you were completely reasonable. It was all caught on film. Uh, but I think, Christy, I think I'm going to share the video uh, that you had sent right now because this is very important. And by the way, for our listening audience, uh, the images aren't really important. It's what is said here. And Jeff, uh, there's, one thing, there's one thing the audience needs to remember when they watch this video. Okay. So this is all in Indian River County where Adam's head was found. Okay. So I, I don't want us to keep going back to Adam, but it's it's all of this is linked together. And it's just very important that the yes. audience understand how linked together this is. And um, what they're about to see is the same sheriff that Megan's children are now under. Yeah. So let me let me roll this. And by the way, it's a commercial for him. So you're welcome for the free advertising. Um, <laughs> John Flowers. <laughs> John I'm John Walsh. You may know me for the 25 years that I produced and hosted America's Most Wanted. I chase fugitives all over the world and work with every kind of cop. Interpol, Scotland Yard, FBI, Marshals, you name it. I think I know a good cop when I see one. This guy's a good cop, trained at the FBI headquarters in Virginia, trained at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children on how to keep kids safe online. He knows this county, he loves this county, and I'm voting for Eric Flowers. Vote for me, August 18th, 2020. That's also on our ranch as well. That's on the farm I was developing. So we just provide everything for the local law enforcement. <laughs> well, so a couple things that stick out here, Christy. Um, he named just about every alphabet agency and uh, and specifically trained for this type of thing. And 
this seems like a bit of a high level to get a that's a, that's a very high level endorsement from someone who's worked with every type of law agencies who's very well connected even scotland yard even scotland yard and who runs scotland yard just say <laughs> It's the same, yeah. And Listen, my small town is, yeah, yeah. So every small town wants to be like Scotland Yard, John Walsh. Like, stop it. Yeah. yeah. But, and you know what they all have in common is they all like compasses and stuff like that. Yeah. They do. All right. Let's, without further ado, she's been very, very patient in the background. Uh, and, and, and by the way, Megan, I really appreciate you going through that uncomfortable stuff. Look at no one, we don't want to pry. Uh, into personal lives that's not my duty but I just think because because there is a fundraiser for you we want to be really really uh, upfront about everything and I'm and I think you covered it really beautifully and painted a picture of your story now we're going to fight for your kids and thank you thank you and you know, no one no one is perfect I think that that's a big theme here I wish that John Ray Walsh would under like realize that people are forgiving and if they came forward and actually just you know return the children reveal whatever the truth is you know people are forgiving people make mistakes and absolutely I, I love the redemption too. story mm -hmm. We all so, have something these days, so we all need to stop pretending like we don't. And I think we'll all feel a lot better and be in a different place together. So just saying. <laughs> I can certainly prove my imperfections. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Hollis, welcome to Right On Radio. Thank you for being here. So Christy had introduced Hollis, uh, is, has decided to take on the case. Uh, this is a, a pretty interesting case, to say the least. And... Uh, uh, we just introduced by that video a couple of the characters, and uh, we want to be really careful here because there is some legal proceedings ongoing, and uh, we certainly don't want to do any harm uh, to this case because a mother and her children deserve to be together, um, and that is the goal here, and we're going to be asking you for prayer and stuff, so make sure to stay to the end because there's going to be a really important message, but Hollis, you dared to... Uh, to take on this case so congratulations for your bravery uh, because there's you. no doubt you're gonna they're gonna come after you as well and uh christy and i experience it all the time well christy's just kind of stepped into the fire in the last couple months but she, she's already taken the arrows so <laughs> so welcome to the fight thank you thank you yes so i've been doing family law for 22 years and I also have my master's in social work, which really makes me want to work with children. I've worked in the past with no more tears, domestic violence. Those are all big issues for me. And child protective services comes into this and takes a play, especially with domestic violence. Do you know that a child can be taken away from a woman if she's abused for failure to protect her child? if she stays with that person. There are all kinds of ways the state legally removes children from their homes. And that's important to say, the state legally does it. So we're not coming against necessarily the people doing their jobs. We're saying the system is broken. Correct, correct. And based on an allegation, they have the authority by state law to come and take children correct and also child protective services it's all very selective it depends what worker comes out to your house it depends 
whom they are. For example, one person could come out and say, I don't see anything wrong. Okay, I'm closing the file. Another worker could come out and want to search the house and do whatever they want. And they may find something. For example, in Megan's case, her not answering the door leading to an emergency Zoom hearing within 20 minutes is incredibly unusual. It's not usually that way. Um, I'm still catching up because I was not a part of the legal team in the beginning. So I'm catching up on some of this information now. But what were the allegations that they that the CPS, the state had brought forward? Well, they took the, okay. So basically they did, they stated a few things. Can you As an emergency TICO, which is taken to custody order at the emergency Zoom hearing before we get into the case file, uh, you know, allegations or the case allegations, my father got on with the judge and said, Your Honor, she's holding those children hostage in that house. We need to get them out. Well, yes, Megan, one of the allegations, which I found amazing was that she had a deadbolt lock on her door. So she was not allowing the children to leave the house and she was shutting the door and uh, the blinds. So no one could see in. So the public, they they literally stated Jeff that the public couldn't see in. (laughs) Like it's almost, when you're reading these allegations, it almost sounds like a joke. Because they it's literally William Morris endeavor. The public cannot see into your private home. Yeah. Huh. So, so that's an allegation. Another allegation was that <laughs> I gotta marinate on that for a second. So should I have a glass shower at the front of my house? It sounds like, and that's what I do have. I have no door on my ba- on my bathroom in my master that was in the front of the house. I grew up with aliases and bodyguards. Like everyone in the neighborhood, because it's a pedestrian neighborhood, keeps the front of their curtains like tilted upwards. Yes. Why wasn't I letting the public see in my home? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's called privacy, and I, I believe, and I'm not an expert in the law, but I believe we have a right to some privacy. Not me, apparently. <laughs> okay, so that's that's the first allegation. Yeah. Jeff, one of the other allegations is um, her the mother is treating her basal cell skin cancer with Rick Simpson's oil rather than evidence-based medicine. Ah. <laughs> okay. So unless, unless we use pharmacia, we are... <laughs> in some trouble and and by the way that's why right on radio fully endorses your medical pharmacia oh jeff this is my favorite one you ready ready for this one everybody needs to brace for this one the con- uh, the mother continues to pepper social media with conspiracy theories surrounding the death of her brother and trafficking of her children you're asking questions controversy for 40 years people across this nation have asked questions and not believed it but i'm peppering peppering social media jeff it literally says that is not my words they use the word peppering peppering in the allegations yes of course so and by the way the uh the term conspiracy theory is used uh often and it was invented by the three-letter agency called the cia in 1954 to shut up dissent so 
there you go. And I love the uh, the new saying right now. What's the difference between conspiracy theory and truth? Well, about six months. In this <laughs> case, we're going to say it's less. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so, but peppering it, uh, that's interesting. Just kind of just sprinkling it everywhere. So everybody quit. I don't even like pepper. So that's funny. <laughs> Hey, Sorry. spicy food keeps you healthy. This has been one of my it theories does. in life. It does. And black pepper is good for your lungs, but we're not allowed to talk about health, natural health. No, no, no. God didn't give us any resources. We need pharmacia. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my tongue firmly placed in cheek, by the way, for those of you who want to take sound edits, because <laughs> that happens. All right. So, so th that, that's a, you know, spreading conspiracy theory. Oh, my goodness. I think My one is that I have a chicken. Jeopardy. I think one is that I have a chicken. I was looking for the chicken one. And, or the cat. You're a hoarder because there was cat urine outside of your house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the home study where they had Detective Thimmer. He's a serious detective with the Indian River County Sheriff's Department. Said that he could smell cat pee uh, while standing in the driveway outside in Florida in April. Okay, okay. so hold on. This guy, wow. Now, maybe maybe this is special training because they have a canine division as well. So he may have been involved in the canine division and had his nose trained. Like canines can sniff bombs mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But this guy was the cat urine detective. Right, so, I want to know. Now, what, now, it, what yeah. if, it, it might have been a dog, but it right. couldn't have been because of his specific training. Mm -hmm. No dog could have peed there. It had to be cat pee. And, and, and mine. And, and it was a miracle as well because there was an updraft and, and there's a little bit of heat and the sun shined on this spot on the driveway right at the exact time. And there was an updraft that came up. And so he mm -hmm. knew conclusively yes. that there was cat pee in the driveway and you should not have kids. Oh my God. No. And after, and after he testified in court, in the courtroom about that, he walked out in front of the judge and him and my father high fived. So, you know, normal, totally normal. Yeah, well, well, it is normal because your father works with all kinds of different uh, levels. He's a player, man. You know, he's 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 got the uh, the law on his side. Oh course. yeah, and, I agree uh, with that. And in fact, that's the audacity of them to actually call her paranoid about conspiracy. Mm -hmm. When you get a lawsuit one day from a certain attorney regarding a father you haven't seen in nine years. You get that lawsuit. The following week, the same attorney files a lawsuit for your parents. To take away your to home. take away your house. Then. And lies on court documents that that's happening. A week later, there's an anonymous call to CPIS, Child Protective Investigative Services. And they come out to the house. And while I would have recommended Ms. Walsh to open the door, I would have. She did not. And that is her right as well. Uh, within 20 minutes, there was a hearing. That's unheard of. Then the following day, Animal Protective Services received an anonymous call. And they came out to check on all of the animals and see... On hostage there. animals. Hostage animals again. <laughs> Next day. You're, you're holding a chicken hostage. And and is that because you're you're stealing its eggs? The chickens you just saw in that ad, they wouldn't even have for the sheriff because those are my chickens if it wasn't for me. 
on the farm. We had a chicken get sick and I brought it home for my daughter's homeschooling, which that's on the allegations too. It says that I only allow my daughter to read the Bible every day, but then she has reading issues that then my parents held her back, even though both teachers testified that she would be moved on to the third grade. She was not truant. There was no issue. And she was registered with the Abeka Homeschool Christian nationally known program uh, during a pandemic, mind you. I mean, this, there was no pandemic, you know, it doesn't exist yeah. when it's to their convenience, you know. Yeah, that, that just disappeared. And, uh, and you well, so I, I got to take the side of the state here, uh, Megan, because you're not, uh, you're not allowing your infant to be woke. I know, I know. And, or and have you know, the COVID how vaccine. is she going to know about or 67 have the COVID different vaccine. genders? Yeah, oh, yeah. right. Vaccine is I'm, I'm anti-vax because I won't. I don't want my children to have the COVID vaccine. Also, so I'm very dangerous and anti-vax. And my children have had no medical care, even though they denied taking my children to their pediatrician because she's a natural doctor and doesn't believe in vaccinating the COVID vaccine to children and all of that. So um, it's been been interesting. I have the text messages of my father saying, you know, you have the boys, let me take Ava to the dentist and all of that. We're in the allegations. It says that Ava's never seen a dentist. No, my, my children have never even had a, had a cavity. That's what the reality is. So it's bizarre. Yeah. It's very, well, okay. Does it sound crazy? Because it is, it is crazy. And I understand it sounds crazy. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it sounds crazy you. that uh, that you did not want to put an experimental drug into the, your your infants, uh, and I call them infants because they're all very young. Even yeah. your nine year old is is you know, to me, it's well, not an infant, but you know what I mean. It's still very much developing, and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, but it goes. And all of my children narrative. were in. All of my children were in church every week and you know, in the community, all of this and very untouched, if you will. You know, I think everyone here understands what I mean. And they're very, you know, I'm very grateful today that, you know, the Lord was introduced to them prior to all of this. My daughter and I were baptized on the same day together and just a really, we had never been thriving more. I had cut my parents off. I was starting to do things for work since they had taken the farm. Which, that which is a brave thing for you because let's face it, you could just be supported. Yes, right? I could. And, you know, and, I and obviously and you I, had a major I, career beforehand mm -hmm. but unless you're playing ball with those guys mm -hmm. talent has nothing to do with it and i, and I think mm -hmm. most most of our audience will understand that it's not uh how how well you do it's who you know or who you uh it is it <laughs> is so uh so you that was a very brave step for you to really go out and do it on your own and you're a capable person but you would not make it back into those circles of uh of, you wouldn't be a famous singer uh, unless you played ball with that, you're not going to be a famous fashion designer, uh, which, you know, you had all of those things and you decided to walk away from it. Then they take away your house and they take away all your kids. And this has been a concerted effort. That's my contention, uh, that this is all happening. Uh, there's too many pieces that, uh, link up and it all points back to a, a very dysfunctional parenting couple that, uh, was mm -hmm. went before Megan here, so isn't uh, that also odd, 
Jeff, the fact that the Walshes have actually all of these things in their past, how did they pass the background check? We still have an unsolved- Oh, he's on TV. You don't need that. No, 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 no. That's for little people. That's, oh, that's for okay. little people. And, and, Come and on. And isn't it also odd that the Walshes chose to take her three older children. However, her youngest child was put into foster care because they didn't want to take this one. They're on vacation in the Finger Lakes, so they they don't have time. And it's ironic that that's where my father quotes that the majority of child trafficking comes from. But, you know, we're, we're okay with that. Yeah, I actually did an expose on it after we saw Hunter's back tattoo. And then we really started looking into it. And there's sub submarine tunnels that go into there even. Uh, there are military tunnels and that is documented and known. That's not conspiracy. My parents also, I was just told, uh, they a couple years ago suddenly bought a mansion in a day and then bulldozed it a little bit after saying that there were issues with the foundation on the lake and uh, had it rebuilt. And then I was told that uh, it was, I have a lot of friends up there and uh, I was told that it was recently put on the market for sale by owner. And, uh, and then my son told me last week that it was sold suddenly, um, which again, I think my home was the only asset that my father actually has his name on or had his name on. So it's, it's a very, that's a whole other thing, but it's, that's what's going on up there. And, and for CPS again, to be, you know, giving these children to these people and then not believing a domestic violence abuser who is protecting her children from that. And as Hollis and everyone said earlier, you know, they can accuse you of not protecting your children because you keep them around abusers. So I guess I, I never say this because I'm not a martyr, but damned if you do, damned if you don't in this system for everybody, that's for sure. Well, the system is a self-perpetuating system and that's important for everyone to know. Uh, this is how the system gets paid, and they just keep wrapping up and wrapping up. And in my opinion, Megan, um, they're really trying to crush you. Yes, they're trying they to break me. My parents, there's no um, there's no grandparents' rights in Florida also, and they've been told this many times. They've been told that they cannot have decisions over my medical care or shame me or have anything like that. They, that these are not their children. Professional therapists have had to tell my parents many times that these are not your children. You cannot vicariously live out your days or whatnot with the, with your daughter's children. Um, so that is a, that is a law in Florida. Grandparents have absolutely no rights. And it's for this reason, because we are allowed as individuals to pretty much decide how we want to raise our children. You know, in order for a child to be removed, probable cause has to be found from a person's home, meaning that the child has been abused, neglected, or abandoned, or is in immediate, imminent harm. You tell me where this five-day-old with the video was in imminent harm. Now she is. Yeah, well, now. now she is. And, and by the way, you just had a visit scheduled, and 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 that's just oh, a horrible birthday. thing. You have to schedule an hour visit with your baby, and they didn't even bring the baby. And how do you bond? How do you bond? This is this is this is really uh, well. God's bigger than this. 
The best interest of the children needs to start, people need to start asking who's it truly in the best interest of, truly. Yeah, a baby not bonding with her mother and or, or father even in this case, but. And isn't it also concerning that these child protective service workers, there's really no standard. Do they have a master's? Do they have a college degree? What do they know? What training did they take? It's, it's alarming and concerning that a lot of them have nothing more than a high school education and maybe took an eight-hour class. Well, listen, in today's standards, that might be good that they haven't been to an indoctrination center. Uh, they might You might have more of a chance with some of these people, but still, uh, point uh, but is we, made. We need to understand, and I'm sorry, Jeff, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, we need to understand that this is there are very good people in this system. It's the people people on the lower level that are hands-on, that are having to deal with these families and these children and see this happen. Um, we really need to identify that the, I'm sorry, all due respect, Hollis, but the lawyers and all GALs, guardian ad litems, and mainly the judges are who are injuring these families and taking these children on orders. And these these are the people who have absolutely no firsthand knowledge of the families and the situations that they're ruling over and determining the rest of the lives of, the, of these children and of these parents. And that's just very dangerous. With Megan, Megan, since they took baby Esther away, have you had a home visit? No. And they arrested after they took uh, baby Esther. They um, they they opened a criminal investigation on the two people and myself that were there supporting me. The 59 year old widow with four children that I was living with, and we had set up the home for the children to come home to. We had bunk beds. We had everything for the baby. A formula and a shortage. You know all of that. Um, and uh, they did not show up for the home study. They then came to take the baby when they did not. That entire scene did not have to happen. The judge has yelled at me in court and threatened to jail me in front of 35 national court watchers. And we have affidavits to uh, when I invoked my HIPAA rights on when he asked me in a public Zoom hearing whether I was pregnant or not. Um, so we've are, and he also did, I want to tell everyone work for originally he started out for 14 or 16 years in the Indian river County Sheriff's department. And, and so, Megan, I, I wanted to bring this up, Megan, because even an appearance of impropriety in the court of law is not acceptable. Did no. you prior to, because your father's clearly endorsing the sheriff and clearly knows all the law enforcement did you want to have your case heard in this county where your father runs everything? No, I applied myself for a change of venue even. I was desperate. How could I ever get a fair trial? And what happened? You did this on your own, this motion. Yeah, the judge talked me into getting a court-appointed attorney, which I had fought tooth and nail. And the next morning, he struck 24 motions in, in minutes. He did not pay attention to one of my motions, no emergency motions, nothing for five months. Were you able to get any evidence in regarding the change of venue? Did you give testimony? I was. I, it was ignored and struck. So you never even had a hearing on the change of venue? No. 
We haven't had hearings on anything that I've brought forward. My original trial, they keep going, oh, you had a trial and there was findings. And so there, we can't look at the past. Well, you don't want to look at the past because it's fraud. And I was never able, that's also a huge issue across the country within this system of taking court appointed attorneys. They will not, uh, they're actually given information on how to get you to comply versus, uh, you know, um, entering evidence, getting subpoenas, transcripts, all of this. And that's what Hollis will agree what we what I realized, you know, the other day. And now my fourth court appointed attorney uh, has has gracefully withdrawn. He did well, nothing. he's in the process of withdrawing yeah. at which time when he withdraws that I will do a file a notice of appearance because mm -hmm. unfortunately there was a trial set for July 27th and 28th. Not one subpoena has gone out. He didn't subpoena the supervisors. He didn't, you know, prepare. For, well, according to my client, I've not spoken to this lawyer, but according to Miss Walsh, there were no subpoenas that went out. There was no preparation, no request for transcripts from prior trials where, you know, the opposing side had people testifying. We want to make sure that when they testify, they stick to the same story for impeachment purposes. It's, it's very important. And it's just normal for all attorneys to get those that information. And none of this has been done. And we're literally a week before she was supposed to go to trial. I couldn't substitute in because if I were to substitute in, the judge would have said, you knew that this trial was happening. You need to be ready. Well, I can't. We have one of the best psychological evaluators in the state of Florida that as long as I can get a continuance is ready to evaluate Megan because it's everyone and it's outside of Indian River County because she needs opinions from experts that have nothing to do with this group you when you're in the I system you have to play by the system rules and that's mm -hmm. that's why you need to bring in these these things and so one one of the things that i want to get to is uh is the give send go um this is really important folks because uh this isn't this is fighting for megan's kids but this is fighting a system that's much bigger than this and when we win, we can expose even further uh, all the, in, the inconsistencies in the system and the way that they abuse power and the way that things have been manipulated. And so with this give, send, go, and you just, and, you know, I only picked up on it. You were staying with a widow. Uh, you're not living lavishly, you know, but you had provision for your children and stuff like that. Obviously, your house was sold out. You don't have the money from your house, your parents did that on your behalf and there's legal fees listen uh hollis is gonna have to spend money to get these experts in it's good but, but we're gonna beat them at their own system and it takes money folks it does it and the transcripts that's all alone, literally we're down to at this point we have the, trans the transcripts alone will be thousands of dollars and that's just that's nothing that we need that in order to be able to fight back unfortunately we need the several thousand dollar psychological. We need an expert to come in and say, no, and I'm going to be honest, I don't necessarily agree with all of Megan's choices. But like for me, while I would maybe go get radiation or chemo or whatever, I wouldn't do the same thing. But the beautiful thing about America is we can do it how we want to do it. 
And there has there are experts out there that have said this works as well. So why is one of the allegations that she's not treating herself properly regarding her health? I, I don't understand that. I well, really they, they, they as were just Christians, there's plenty of people who get cancer and don't want to accept chemo and don't want to do this mm -hmm. and that. And that was even the example that my therapists and professionals even used for them. You cannot discriminate or judge somebody or shame someone for how they choose uh, to, and, you know, I went to Western doctors. How do you think I know that I have basal cell? I had biopsies. I did that. I have a prescription from an overseeing doctor just because it's not a traditional way. They wanted to put my forehead on my nose. So I think I'm going to try this first. And yeah. if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll go there. Like, But that is, as a 40-year-old woman now, that is my, at my discretion if I'm a free woman in America. Absolutely. So... There's there's a lot of expenses and and I want to be really clear uh, and so I'm asking the question so the give send go dot com slash Megan Walsh that's M E G H A N W A L S H uh, part of this is for your living expenses Megan is that correct. Yes, a small portion is because we're trying to save up to get a home for the kids to come home to. We've literally done, if people are wondering, I have complied with the case plan just because I'm fighting because it's fraud doesn't mean I'm not complying and doing what I need to do for my children. Um, when they did arrest the um, widow that they charged both of them with a felony for hindering the removal of a baby, despite the video, despite everyone knowing that this is, you know, it was really to break up my support system. Yeah. And they did that. Um, I had just said I had a home study right after that and everything was fine and beautiful. That would have been off the case. Um, I had one part of a, an evaluation to finish outside of that. And, uh, but no, now that they are charged with felonies, I can't live there. Uh, you know, my children can't live with a felon. So it was, uh, very, you know, you were actually arrested yourself, weren't you? Yes, I was. I was, I was falsely. What was that for? Because I've never heard of an arrest for this. This is great. Well, the sheriff, I sat, I went to a sudden in-person hearing during COVID when everything was on Zoom. I suddenly had an in-person hearing at the courthouse. Um, we sat there for an hour waiting and then suddenly it was on Zoom and we were being sent a link. So I go out to the parking garage to do the, the hearing and everything. As soon as I hang up the phone with the judge, there's deputies in the parking garage saying, are you Megan Walsh? Is your name Megan Walsh? There's a warrant for your arrest. I mean, this is terrifying. Like, I have never, never been in these situations before, ever. And I've supported law enforcement my entire life. So all of a sudden, you know, there, I, I said, excuse me, I don't know what's going on. I looked at my friend that was there and my attorney at the time. I said, should we be recording this? As soon as I said that, they grabbed me up with force, put handcuffs on me, said, we tried to do this nice and, you know, whatever. Um, they put me in the courthouse. They transferred me to the jail where there's already issues within the sheriff's department about police transfers and, and you know, different shady things going on. And uh, they put me in transport. So then when I got to the jail, I later found out that while I was being transported, um, they had actually, or while I, excuse me, while I was staying in the courthouse, waiting for the hearing, 
the sheriff himself went and signed the bond for me to have a warrant and to be arrested right after that. They knew where I was, obviously, because they made it happen. And uh, they also, while I was being transported, they applied for an automatic jail transfer for me the next day to my children's trial so that I would have to show up after a first night in jail in my life, terrified, in, a, in shackles in a jumpsuit. Um, and I bonded myself out in five hours and I showed up with my Bible and myself against 20 some odd attorneys the next day where I watched my father in front of me with my Bible open, go up to the DCF attorneys and say to them, I can't wait to watch you work. Don't forget to go get them. And don't forget to be bulldogs. And they all started laughing and high-fiving. And I just kept staring at my father, praying that he would turn around and look in my eyes. And he was so in his, you know, frenzy that he didn't even turn around. But, and Megan, what you forgot to say is the reason there was a warrant. Yeah, what, what, what was the warrant? I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. There's a lot of information. The warrant was for um, giving misinformation on an indigency form which I never got indigency. I sold my car to pay for my attorney. And, uh, and my dad is the one who quote unquote reported me. So we have to I personally in 22 years of practice have never seen someone get in trouble for what they do in a civil indigency when it comes to family court. I, I haven't seen the papers yet, but the fact that they had her arrested the day before another hearing, and then people say she's paranoid. I, yeah. I think a reasonable person would probably be pretty concerned right now. So and yeah. with that, it was, it, it's amazing how quickly the warrant was signed. Like, you know, those things typically take a little bit of time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously it was a setup. Uh, oh, you know, the charges but, were dismissed ultimately because yeah, there was nothing. Yeah. Because and even my real estate attorney for the house case, I mean, he recused himself off of it. He said, I've never seen anything like this. The judge Kroom is just putting, uh, granting every emergency hearing. They had me have to leave two days before, you know, I was supposed to be out even and tried to require him to drive across the state to stand there for the movers. It was so bizarre. Well, so bizarre. Thing is, lawyer Hyden is going behind and making calls and offering deals and doing very bad things. Well, and the other really important thing to note, Jeff, is the home only sold for $350,000 and to whom, really? A criminal. Yeah. <laughs> Criminals can get credit too, apparently. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just very confused as to why, yes, everyone has a right to a partition if you don't want to own a house with someone, you sell the house. I get that. But why is the money being held for months in escrow? That doesn't make any sense. At this point, the money should be divided equally between the parties or if the allegations that the Walshes, Mr. Walsh is entitled to a little more back because he paid for taxes. Let's figure this out and let's get the money released. That's a simple calculation. So well, very it, it, simple. my father, but my father is addicted to drama and what trauma. Was the house sold, he Megan? he Megan, has done Megan. this forever. What? When was the house sold? The house sold was, uh, was sold right after, I think I had to move out in November. Of what year? Uh, 2021. And have you received a dime of the profits 
since then? Because we're six months at least. No, if my parents had a problem with me, they could have said, Megan, we're not helping you financially anymore. Unfortunately, we can't deal with this. You're on your own. We gave you a house. We gave you a car. Great. You know, we can't participate in this. If I had my half of the house and you even don't want to deal with that, you want to sell it, you need half of this $350,000 house, fine. But you know what? If I had gotten my half, then I could have gotten a car. I could have gotten a home. I would have had, um, you know, a cushion. I would have had my children back in weeks. And they know that. But so instead, I, I, you know, like, I'm, I'm just... a criminal. I'm a, a drug addict. I'm severely mentally ill. I'm what? Let's add, let's add every like well, it's every accusation. You're not admitting to any of that. I want to be very careful yes, here. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying like, is this not see-through? Like, how could I be all of these things? How could I be like, just lay it on John Walsh. Like the, yeah. it's, it's the fear. I understand that you guys have a, have a, a another a time, a hard time thing coming up in just a couple minutes. So I want to be Really, I really want to focus on this give, send, go, uh, Megan Walsh, because this is how yes. our listeners can really make a, a difference. And, you know, folks, I don't come on very often asking, and obviously I'm not getting any part of this, and neither is Christy. Uh, we're doing this for the right reasons. And uh, I want it just because there's a lot of people out there who do fundraisers and stuff like that, and mm -hmm. there's no actual accountability for this, well, in this case, there there is a lawyer, so there will be accountability in in how it's spent. And yes, some of it will be to use for her personal living expenses. It's not so Megan can have have a big bank account or anything like that. But listen, people have to eat. She has to get her own. She has to get her own apartment or something. You know, where she can have the kids uh, come in until you know later time as her life is rebuilt with these kids and yes. you know goes on to live. But we gotta set her up for success she can't have her kids back unless she has her own home we have to fight the system in the system in this case and so we need experts we need to destroy everything that the state uh brings that is false if there's any truth then it'll be proven as well that's the way the system is supposed to be but you so i'm just i'm pleading with you if you can do you know a 20 dollar donation if you can do a 50 dollar donation really help out because with the high profile case here, when this thing breaks, it can break open the whole system because then people can wake up and see that we have not had power even to keep our own kids. This is scary as crap. It is so scary. Someone could think of your grandbaby. Someone could just go to your kid's house and take, take them. Like this is the state should never have this power in except in extreme cases where kids need to be cared for. This is not trial by accusation. This is not the minority report, but this is the where it's going. And I say it has to stop right now. So give sendgo.com slash Megan Walsh. Be as generous as you can, please. I'll give everyone a, a final uh, word uh, starting with uh with you, Hollis, Megan, and then Christy. Go ahead, Hollis. I just really think that it's important that we're aware of how much control the state does have at this point. 
And we need to be able to stand up and say, just because we don't do everything the same way you do, doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I've done something wrong. It doesn't mean there's probable cause to remove my children. So Megan, unfortunately, is not only dealing with the system, which is difficult enough, but the system has teamed up with a private attorney for the Walshes. So they have all the resources of the Walshes as well at this point. Megan desperately needs help. And one of the things, if she does not have a stable living environment, she will not get the children back. And don't think that her parents and lawyer didn't know that when they filed the lawsuit to sell the house. Yeah. Megan? Thank you. Um, yeah, I just want to thank you, Jeff, for having me on and, and taking, you know, having the courage to really go through this and break it down. I think that, you know, it is a, a night and day difference uh, and it's something for people to really see and realize. And, and I want to thank everyone that's joined and taken the time today. Um, again, I was an advocate before speaking out and, and I will continue to fight until they are. I don't stop until they are stopped. And, you know, we just need to get my children home safe. I need, we need to get a home because everything was taken from us and uh, we continue to fight. And I could not do that without the support across this country and even from outside of this country that we've received so far. So I just, uh, you know, it's time for us to come together as the people, use our voices and, and really claim back our rights to truly protect our children. There are better ways. So thank you. And, and God bless truly. Christy. Jeff, thank you. Thank you for listening. And um, to our audience, I just want to say um, I have stood up in a way to help Megan for free. I'm getting paid absolutely nothing. Um, Hollis has been so great to even be a sounding board until now. Um, and I understand that there are a lot of people out there trying to raise money for different things. I have given money to some people that I wish that I had not given money to. Um, for those of you who may not want, maybe you don't want to participate in the Give, Send, Go, um, you can send Zelle and check payments directly to the law office of Hollis E. Mandel um, via the phone number 954-791-1237. And you can also mail checks to Hollis Mandel. I will put, um, give Jeff the link, I mean, give Jeff the address below. Um, so that if you want to give a more sizable donation, that's what I would recommend that you do because Megan is having to pay about 7% on Give, Send, Go by the time she withdraws the money. Um, and it is vital that she get this, get this money in and to Hollis so that she can, so Hollis can start all the exams and pulling the transcripts and things that the other attorneys have not done. Um, and I just encourage everybody to step up because the reason the reason I have chosen to help Megan personally is because she has promised to also help others. So this is just the beginning. Getting her children back or the beginning stages of an, a way to bust the system wide open. And I want to thank Hollis for stepping up and, and not running from the, the situation because it's, it is very difficult to find an attorney to to work with a high profile case like this. Absolutely. And and so, uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Megan, for your bravery. I want to thank you for your honesty. Uh, I really think your people have a better understanding of your story. And, uh, you know, I hope uh, someday you'll come back on and we can explore some of the fun uh, 
well, not fun, but some of the nuances of Hollywood and stuff like that that you've seen. I have a background in entertainment. We'll have a, a lot to share together on that. And I want to thank you, Hollis, for stepping up. But, you know, mostly I want to thank Christy. Uh, Christy, really, um, if there's something I've learned, uh, don't do something that's going to piss Christy off because she's a bulldog and she will. You not. are right. You oh. are right. Oh, my goodness. And, and she you know, makes things happen. She is she, good. And she has not stopped and she will not stop. So this is why I'm sucking up to Christy because I really want. <laughs> no, well, I love no, you all, no. but I like to get things done, Jeff. No, yes. you, you do, and uh, and so I really want to thank you for stepping up to help Megan and uh, and arranging this interview and everything else. So, uh, thank you very much. Hey, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community.